Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. First things first on the show this afternoon, you've been so good sending me in your entries because so many of you want to go along to the Remembering Joe show at the New Grange Hotel in Navin tomorrow night, but only one of you can. And I have so many entries here in this big bag of mine. They're all packed in here. Everybody's in the hat. Let me do the draw. Put my hand in there. Dig deep, dip deep. And we take out one and just open it out there and have a look. Okay, so going along to Remembering Joe tomorrow night is Carmel Bagnell from Kilnagross Trim in County Mead. Well done to you, Carmel. Congratulations. Enjoy. You'll have a wonderful time there, I know. And thanks to everybody for taking part this week. Welcome back, Miss Walsh. Thank you. Did you have a nice peaceful few days? No, I was very lonely. <laughs> nobody, I had nobody ringing me. The phone was silent and I got into a bit of a downer, to be honest. I'm delighted to have you back today. Thanks and and you're, you're back as well. Uh, very importantly that you're here with me today, because let me ask you, now I'm putting you on the spot here. We're going to talk about hair, folks, for the next while, and especially for the ladies, because the boys, well, I know we, we, we do look after it in a way, but when you're very little, what about it? Anyway, may I ask you, your hair, do you wash your hair every day, Louise? No. How often would you wash your hair? Um, maybe twice a week. I hate washing my hair. I have to say, I hate washing my hair. And it's so thick and it's wayward, and oh, I just hate it. How would you describe your hair type? Wayward. <laughs> <laughs> it's very thick, and it's it kind of it's. I suppose with all the colouring over the year, it's quite fuzzy. Is it dry? Yes. Rather than on, you know, you have the greasy side on one end. Of the well, d- no, it no. actually, it, it's kind of, it's dry at the bottom, probably yes. where I do need to kind of get a good cut. And it's, it can be, very, it can be quite greasy on the scalp. Yeah. So uh, it, it's generally twice a week and you know it needs, when it, when it goes a few days, uh, it needs a wash now, you wash it. That's it. Yeah. Shampoo. What way do you wash your hair? Give us the, the your, your, uh, it's just shampoo operandi. and conditioner. I know I'm probably meant to use con- shampoo twice, as in, Shampoo, rinse, shampoo, rinse, conditioner. Mm. But I just, I don't. <laughs> okay, so you just shampoo your hair, rinse, condition it, rinse, and that's it. Yeah. 
Do and you, if it's a day that I'm just kind of under pressure, don't get the hair, time to wash the hair, um, you know, the, the owl, either the dry shampoo or goes in or bit right. of talc if I can okay. find it. So you have your little uh, your little tricks that you do if you actually don't wash it to freshen it up. Um, would you say uh, you are washing it enough? Should you be washing it more? What do you think yourself? Are you happy with the two washes a week? I'd say I'm probably washing it enough but not washing it well. Okay. If you know what so I mean. So that's, that's your conundrum, really. Mm. And I'd say it's the after products. You know, like I have to put in yes. an awful lot of serum yes. to take the fuzz out of it. Okay. Well, look, we have a, a picture of you and, and wash it. Oh, by the way, do you dry it? Do you blow dry it always after washing? Um, Not always. I do try it and let it just dry naturally. By itself. Yeah, but I, okay. I do have to straighten it. All right. What you about see, you? Just you, you straighten your hair, Jerry. <laughs> sure, look, it's just straight. <laughs> what is that is straighten at this stage, to be honest I with you? I just have to know, when you wash your hair, so do you put shampoo like in the sides or all over or... Because I, I presume you still have to wash your scalp. Listen, I just did this. I showered this morning, so I got it done. Yes, Ooh. I did shower this morning. and at the monthly event. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that road. No, I have to say, I've been showering very frequently this summertime with all the hot weather. As I said to you before, wintertime, I don't really see the necessity to shower every day, but that's another story. Yes, I put a glug of shampoo into me, hand, rub it through the hair, rinse it out in the shower, and that's it. Okay, because I know some men that don't even bother with shampoo. They just use body gel oh, yeah, all yeah. over. Yeah, I do that as well. If that was there, whatever. You know, I don't even look. I'm not sure. I tell me a brand, having a clue. I know it's just smells lovely when I do it and whatever's and, there I use. And just before you do talk to this lovely lady, do you then as a man kind of can't understand how much time women take to do their hair? No, I understand it fully because, yeah, yeah, look look at the head of hair you have and the length of your hair and everything and most women have and they have lovely hair and it takes time and us gentlemen love to see women with their hair looking nice. Do you know? There you go. Okay. Yes. I make an effort. It's part of the job. (laughs) It's part of the female spec. You know what I mean? Anyway, let's bring her on to late lunch today and when I tell you this woman has, she's into her fifth decade of hairdressing. She has vast experience and I'm delighted she's with me on late lunch. They, uh, she's five decades, but she started doing it when she was six. So just to put that in context in case you're trying to add up age-wise. Rita Murray from Touch a Class in the league. Welcome to late lunch. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I am really good and we're delighted to have you with us today. Now, really, you've been listening to Louise there and, and her story. What do you make of what she says? First of all, I'm going to ask you straight up. Do you need to wash your hair every day? No, no. Um, I would twice a week myself. Um, once you're using a good shampoo, a good conditioner and maybe a treatment every two weeks, um, you should keep the hair proper, you know, in good in good health. Um, a good cut is also very, very important. Mm. You know, the reason I ask you this, because I'm inquisitive about this, because I've seen it raise its head, excuse the pun, in, in recent days uh, on several social media platforms and in print as well, too. And, you know, the people are saying in general that washing your hair every day isn't good. Would you concur with that? Well, it depends on people individually like some people would have greasy hair and it needs to be washed every day yeah and you know um it gets oily and then you're running your hands through it your hands are dirty you know Mm. Uh, so you make the hair dirty so like there is people with fine greasy hair that probably do need to do that to feel good um the likes of myself 
it's uh, twice a week. Mm. You know, and uh, averagely twice a week. And most customers come in to me, they only get it washed once a week. I see. And the other thing is, when you mention that hair type there and it's greasy, by being that type of hair, you're not losing the oils and the goodness that comes out from your head and your scalp into the hair. That's happening a lot. Is that why you need to wash every day? Yeah, well, uh, also because the moisture that's coming out, and even this time of the year, your hair, you're sweating so yeah. much more. Um, that The heat the last few weeks has been incredible. Um there's just diff- so many different types of hair that, you know, everybody really knows their own and they just need to follow the guide of, like, two good shampoos, massage the hair well, don't scrub the head off yourself, you know. Mm. Two good massages, conditioner where it's needed, on the ends, um, if it's dry on the ends, like Louise said, hers is um, oilier on the top and drier on the bottom. Um, so, you know, you use it accordingly to where you need it. Mm. So you're saying what Louise said there a moment ago, that she just does the one shampoo and condition. You're saying two shampoos. Yeah, two shampoos. You work the lather up on the first one. Mm. You know, that's where you get the real lather going. And the second one then just gives it the final squeaky clean feeling. When you, know, you, needs, yes. needs when you talk about quality, good quality, what do you mean? Is it a particular, I'm sure you have your brands that you use and love. What would you recommend? Well, we use Semi Delino um, hair products. They're Italian products and they're from Alpha Pass. And it's a, an Italian-based company. Um, they're all like, save do you start like with... Um, the white diamond one so that's for normal hair mm. and then you'd have the pink one which is for moisture and that nourishes and softens the hair and then there's the green one that's all repair so there's all different types for different hairs and for hair loss and hair sensitivity and tonics for your hair for people who have hair loss you know so you know, we have all those on sale in Touch of Class and you know we have a shop set up there in it mm. and you know, you can come in, the girls advise you on which is the best for your hair. And sometimes they come and gift sets as well. So they're yeah. a lovely presentation as mm. well. Mm. You like that. That's the one that you trust well, and you see it working. It works. Well, I'm using this product 25 years and it's now only coming to the forefront of the hair industry. Oh, you see that? You've always been a trailblazer, Rita Murray. I know that. Um, and your customers I'm do too. I've 25 years there you and go. it's really in full flow at the minute. Now, and, um, can I ask you this? Just another little thing. Is this a misnomer? We were always told when I had a little hair, I don't have to worry about it now, that you should always rinse finally with cold water to help it look shiny, that it would look shinier. Is that a fallacy? Well, it does, because it takes the hair back down from the the hot water that's been used to wash the hair. You know, I like a cool rinse. Not very cool, but cool. Mm. Cooler than the warm water that's used for washing. Um, as I say, all the products are there for to create shine, and that's what they're all for, mm. you know. Louise, anything crossing your mind there as I'm talking to Rita? Because I, I don't have uh, the Gruig that you have, the lovely Gruig. Um, I suppose during lockdown, you had an awful lot of people who couldn't get to a hairdresser. So they started using kind of their own dyes. I suppose they were dyeing their own hairs, which probably I'm sure you saw a lot of um, 
devastating results. <laughs> did you sure find did. that or do you find people we are now going back to hairdressers or have they started to dye their own hair and then they oh, come to you no, and go, no. please help? They're all, they're all back. We're busier than ever. Yes. Thank God. Mm. We really are and we appreciate that. Um, I did look after my clients during lockdown because I didn't want them doing the box dye um, yeah. situation mm. because there's so much work at fixing when it goes wrong when you, you know, use them. Now, some mm. of them are good. I don't know. I don't use them, so I can't. I'm not qualified on them. Yes. So, but um, there, there is a lot of work in fixing color correction um, when people do use them, and they can go wrong. And like we, we patch test all our clients. You have to have a patch test before we go ahead with color. We do a free consultation, and then every you know color anybody has, you get a free uh, conditioning treatment on the house as well. And so, that, just explain that patch test. That's what just patch ex- test has to be done because it covers the company. It covers myself um, for allergies. Okay. You know, yes. Like some people get allergies. Yeah. Now you could be doing somebody's hair for ten years, and the body changes, and that's where allergies come into effect. Mm. It's nothing particularly to do with the hair or the color. Yes. But it's changes in the body. Do you know? Mm. And and you know on the subject of dyeing, when you start dyeing the hair again, like I asked you about washing the hair, how frequently do ladies need to come to you to have the the dye redone or boosted or whatever? Yeah, so uh, some ladies I would see them every four weeks. Some ladies six seven weeks, and it depends on the hair growth, you know, or how well one wants to look. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's very important for the well-being and all that. Yeah. So it would be anything between four and six, six to eight weeks. Yep. Go on, Louise. What Go is ahead. your take, Rita, on the people who need their hair done but can't get to you? So they get the temporary, you know, the spray dyes that you can get. They're not actually the box dyes. You just spray no. them in and then they're yeah. gone in the next wash. Are they okay yeah. temporarily they're, they're to use? They're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, a lot of the companies do them. Yeah, they're fine. They'll take you out of um, a big hole if you're going to any event and you didn't have time to get your hair done. Mm. But uh, they need to be washed out before you come down for your colour. You know, yeah. some okay. people arrive with them in their hair and then we have to go and wash them out. And mm. So they need to be washed out before you go for your colour. Mm. What about dry shampoos? Where do you stand on that? You know, the the temporary, you put the dry shampoo in and it gives yeah. the hair a lift. Yeah. Um, not so, we do sell them. It's not something I use very much. Um, they are like like the spray there. They give, you know, they take out of a hole as well. And um, they just get you over that day if you have an emergency outing, you know. Mm-hmm. So oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you don't use them much yourself and you understand that people have to use them like the spray Absolutely. dye that Louise was talking about. Absolutely, you know. yeah. And yeah. Rita, every, I suppose every year there's a trend. Is there any oh, trends yeah. in terms of hairstyles that people are looking for these days? Do you remember the Jennifer well, Aniston was, was a big oh one God, way back? Yeah, she really trailblazed the whole lot. Yeah, she? is there anything well, go- that's trending or even hairstyles or... Still on the balayage, on the highlights, on the melting, you know, that, so that's like a darker colour on top. And then melting down into highlights and balayages. Oh, um, nice. A lot of uh, definite colour coming back. Startling coppers, 
brunettes. They're they're beautiful. Um, there's a lot on our Facebook page. Um, the bob will never go out of fashion because there's like one million variations of it. Um, but then there's an awful, still a lot with the curly blow dries and that and the pinups and the updos for the weddings and yes. the scale is so big it's vast. Mm. Mm. And know. on the other end of it, and I think you mentioned earlier about um, the products, and you said it's products for hair loss. Like women, is it more traumatic for, or is it is it a, is it a common occurrence that women lose their hair? Um, it's not a common occurrence, okay. so we won't worry about that. Okay. But it is, it's very dramatic for ladies. Yeah. Um, and especially when the hair starts turning through mm. menopause and maybe illness, sickness, you know. Yes, yes. Um, it, it is very traumatic. Um, and are there products you can use? A lot use, of or is there... hair loss products on the market, yeah. We do one in the Semadolino as well, and then the scalp tonic so that that helps the scalp invigorate and promote growth um, if it's more serious than that you would need to go to a hair specialist yes. as in um, someone that deals with alopecia and that you know yeah 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 very traumatic yeah I can, I can only imagine it certainly yeah. is you have a wonderful team I know because I just want to give them a shout out Yvette <laughs> Myrtle Kim Neve, Quiva and Olivia all there would you have I got them all there you have, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. very important. I oh, want to say other fans. And I know that's so important to you. Your team oh. there is everything, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, it's not work. You know, it's yeah. fun. Any day we're in, it's hard work, but it's fun. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the and clients are brilliant. I'm sure you've heard many family stories. <laughs> it, the, your your hairdresser is your confidant. Is That's true, <laughs> isn't it? The same as Father John or Father Mark. <laughs> 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 so listen, if they haven't time to pop into the confessional, they pop into Rita and the crew in touch of class. What, and what, what, what happens in the shop stays. I know, <laughs> I know. You see that they're as safe as, as the clergy when you tell them anything and that's really good oh, yeah. to know. It really is. Oh, yeah. Well look Very at much. Rita, we're, we're delighted to have you as today and we've covered a multitude there. I'm sure we'll be back to you and thank you so much for your wonderful advice. I'm delighted to talk to you, Jerry. And if Louise would like to come out for a complimentary 12-week blow-dry, that's um, a straightening system for her wayward hair. <laughs> Thanks a million. Have I you got a shears? You. you might I need it for my hair. <laughs> yeah. Come out and have that done. <laughs> Thanks, Rita. Rita, that's okay. the best offer she's ever been made in late lunch. There you go. Rita Murray, thank you so much for taking our call today. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Jerry. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Rita Murray there. Brilliant woman from a touch of class hair salon in Dooley. Well, there you are. There you are, Notice Miss. Notice she did now for you. <laughs> I don't even go out to her once a year. <laughs> what would she do with me? Although I wouldn't mind going into the confessional, as they say. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Stay with us on the show. Now we're stepping back in time on late lunch because there's a man with a typewriter with me. Is there no end to this man's ability or knowledge? Anthony Murphy, it's great to have you in studio with us. Yeah, it's been a while, Jerry. It's been We've a while. We've done a few... Uh, Remote yes, conversations. We have. The last time I think we were talking about Morse code. We were. Yeah. <laughs> and and you're going to start uh, doing a little bit of. Well, you'll think you might think it's Morse code if you if you listen to them, but it's not. You've brought in this. I have to say, an Olivetti bright red typewriter. Now, please tell me this. 
this is just a fad and a hobby and you take it out from time to time. This is not a working piece of equipment, is it? Oh, oh no, this is very serious. I'm, I use typewriters now for most of my written work. I've, you know, as you know, I've published nine books. Yes. I'm working on two more and they're entirely been written with typewriters. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> now, there's something we did not know. And oh, hold on a minute. You have the loveliest PC at home and your keyboard and all the newfangled technology. Why are you going back to the future? Uh, uh, well, I mean, probably the main reason is that a typewriter is a lovely tactile experience. Mm. You're leaving a physical imprint of your the words that you create on paper, something that a computer doesn't do. Mm. When you type a keys on a keyboard on a computer, you're sending electrons through a current and zeros and ones are registering somewhere in that computer. You don't leave an imprint. You can print something off, but it's not an imprint, as it were. You know, um, the other thing is that computers, I find I use a computer all the time for work. I just find, you know, it's it's like there's a there's a there's a there's a fast pace with computing, you know, and the typewriter actually slows you down because with the computer, you're, you're using the backspace mm. quite a lot to delete mm. stuff and moving mm. the cursor around. Mm. You can't do that with, well, not with manual typewriters. There are yes. correcting electric typewriters. Yeah. So you have to be more careful about what you're doing. You have to think more. I, I, I actually find I'm more productive with the typewriter. With the typewriter. I can write for longer periods. Do you know, I suffer less sort of eye, eye strain and brain strain after spending a couple of hours on the typewriter than I do on the computer. It's a welcome reprieve. And the other thing is, when you're on a computer, the, the old social media is there haunting you, you know, distracting so you. So true. You, you know, you go away and check. You know, like when you put the typewriter up on the desk in place of the, unless you have a big desk, in place of the computer mm. keyboard, it, it forces you to kind of focus your energy on yes. just the writing and you tend to get less distracted, you know. So there's lots of things about it, you know. I mean, they're, they're making a, significant resurgence there's a comeback uh, in the States in particular uh, where you have the likes of Tom Hanks the actor big collector isn't he 250 typewriters writes books with them you know talks about them every opportunity gets you know Mm. the red valentine is special because that was a typewriter. My f- my father had, you know, my father's, Paul, a, you know, yes. he's a guest on this show absolutely, quite regularly. Absolutely. And when we were children, that was his typewriter for work. And he bashed away on it. And when he wasn't using it, that's how I learned to type. Mm. Before, just before the advent of home computers. I am old enough, unfortunately, in some ways to remember. But then fortunately in other ways. So over the years, that typewriter got lost. Last year during the pandemic, I bought him one and gave it to him as a present and he was chuffed and then a few months ago I found this one see these these are a collector's item a lot yeah. of typewriters aren't valuable in monetary terms mm. like if you buy a second hand typewriter you really shouldn't be paying more than 100 150 if it's been restored professionally yes anything else 50 quid mm. 20 quid you know whatever these ones uh, in good condition second hand can fetch anything from 500 to 800 Euros. Now, it's not. I, I got one myself because it had a few problems with it and I decided to try and restore it and I've restored it to action and yeah, love you, isn't it? It's lovely. You know? I have another role for you now, Antique Roadshow. I'll, we'll see him on Antique Roadshow. <laughs> he, he'll be the man that's that's valuing the typewriters. There's no, that's another string to your bow, by the way. Um, 
Are these being made? Come back to that point again. Are other companies making typewriters There's one today? company out of China. Uh, I think it's we or we or memory keepers or something like that. Yeah. The quality is not that good. You, okay. If you want a typewriter, go online, buy one secondhand, preferably buy one from somebody who restores them. The, uh, the typewriter restorer who I've bought from is based in Kilkenny uh, and he, he got, he's on Instagram as the magic typer. His name is Colm Nolan. He restores them professionally and services them and oils them and lubricates them. So there you are, folks, if you're thinking about this. He is the man to go to. Will you give us a wee demo there? Will you type a message to us that you're back in in, in, uh, LMFM today? Go ahead there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's noisy, but every typewriter has a different sound, you know. God, that brings me back. It really does. Because I was telling uh, Anthony uh, before we went on air here, I started my working career in the civil service and it was in the Department of Post and Telegraphs. And in P&T, when we did our correspondence, Anthony, us guys didn't type. There was a, a typing pool. And a typing pool, it was really sexist, really, wasn't it? It was manned by women. The women were in the type. So you brought your handwritten correspondence down handed it into the typing pool, they typed it up and gave you back the letter and you sent it out in the post. It's a funny thing, you know, um, when you talk about typing, you know, it, when I learned to type, and I was, this is 40 years ago, mm. you know, when I was about eight, nine, that sort of age. At that time, very few people could type. And if you could type, it almost guaranteed you a good job. And nowadays, everybody knows the QWERTY keyboard because they really need to. Because if you're not using computers for your work, you have the QWERTY keyboard on your smartphone, mm. which, by the way, wasn't the case 15 years ago. Do you remember the text messages? You have to had to press the button several yes. times to get to get yes. a letter up. Yes. So people don't realise how ubiquitous it is now. But how, how back then it was so much of a skill that if, if you could type, especially if you could type at a steady 60, yeah. 80, 100 words per minute, Oh, you, you were almost that guaranteed That is so a good true. Job, and can I tell you, know? you this? I went on a typing course. There was a thing called a typing course for a week. I still can't. I always, I'm here. Are you looking at me? Well, I'm watching the keyboard as I, no, I can type fast, but I'm watching the keyboard. I can't take my eyes away. Go on. I can, I, well, I can do that on a computer, but not so much on, on a typewriter. Type and watching. I only use, I don't touch type. I use yes maybe four six fingers mm. at most mm. you know some people can use all fingers and, and they're very good yes. you know but you know the the best experience of all when we were kids was when my my, my dad was made editor of the Drogheda Independent in 1985 and he, occasionally at, at the weekend he'd have to do a bit of work and mm. he'd bring some of us with him mm. get us out from under the mother's <laughs> feet you know yeah. and you go into the newsroom and there'd be six or eight big typewriters arrayed on desks around the place, all different. Yeah. And big stacks of paper. And believe it or not, for me, that was heaven. Yeah. He he would be working for an hour or two and he would just be happily just leave me sitting at a typewriter backing away. away. And I would just I'd be in heaven, absolutely. And I'd be like, Can I bring can I bring this stuff home with me then? You know, that mm. I don't mean the typewriters, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what you typed up. The other thing I'm sure people are saying, but hold on a minute, Anthony. You're doing your books, your nine books and all your books and everything else you do, you do lots of other stuff as well, on this typewriter. How do you transfer that to the 
modern world. Oh, you see, this is where the old and new technologies combine very nicely. Mm. Because all I do when I finish a sheet, I take it out of the typewriter and I have an app on my phone, which is a free app, OCR, Optical Character Recognition. You take a picture of the page, it converts it to text and you can save it to a file or email it to yourself or whatever. And so you have a digital version, but crucially, you have the original, the imprint. You know that a moment of creation that if this ever turns into something big yes. in the publishing world, yeah. you'll always have the original manuscript. Isn't you know? I, I love this. I really do love it. Are you finished? Are you finished typing to us? Oh, I, I am. Yeah. But, well, nearly. Finish your job there. Very important. And, and by the way, he mentioned Tom Hanks there as a collector in the States. He's heading on the Hanks route himself. Tell them. How many of these have you? Oh, I have five. But that's, you know... Is that's, that it? That's not what you'd call a collection. Collection is when it sort of gets to 20 or 30, you know. <laughs> Look at this. I, I, I'm I, going to put this off on social media. It's lovely. Dear Jerry, this is what Anthony has just typed. What a delight to be back in studio once again. This time talking about the beautiful old machines. Thanks, Jerry, Anthony. I love it. And, and it brings back so many memories when I see it there. Yeah, but the thing is, you see, a lot of people have these in their attics. At home. Yeah. So I, I'm just saying today, if, if you have a typewriter and, you know, you, you're getting rid of it, don't get rid of it. Contact me, please. I'll take it off your hands. You know, definitely don't put it in a skip, please. The other thing is, if you want to sell a typewriter on adverts or done deal or whatever, uh, just don't just look at the prices of similar typewriters unless it's restored. If it needs work, it's probably not worth that much money. It might be better for you to keep it than to get rid of it. One more thing, the Red Valentine. I never knew my father was so hip, right? Because back in the day, this was a fashion statement, you know? Yeah. You know who had one and and wrote songs on it? David Bowie, the singer, had a red Olivetti Valentine. Like that one. I only found that out recently. Oh, talk about being cool. (laughs) Listen to this. Well, Jerry, I love typing at school, says a listener. I love the Royal and Remington. I still have a bit of speed and I remember where all the keys are. I love typing, uh, but I, I love typing though I don't have one of my own. That person doesn't have a typewriter. You know, they use them in their time. Look, you heard what Anthony had to say there. Get online. Pick one up for 20, 30 quid. You will indeed. Anyway, we're heading to a short break. Thank you for bringing in the typewriter. Anthony's staying with us, and you'll find out why after this break. Anthony Murphy has stayed with us. He's put away the typewriter, and he's put on his other hat because... Well, remind our listeners, yourself and we have a guest on the line waiting to talk to us as well, the wonderful Ken Williams from Drada. You were the two guys who unearthed the Newgrange findings a few years ago. That's right, yeah, in July 2018, the significant discoveries of a, pre- a previously unknown complex of monuments at Brunabonia. The famous one, Dronehenge, mm. of course, mm. um, which was my discovery, but uh, Ken, who you're about to talk to, uh, discovered several huge monuments out there as well. Um, and uh, sure, look, an unforgettable time for the two of us, you know. Sure, you'd never forget something to tell the grandkids, as they say, you know. International news. You were all over the world and sky and everything. It was an unprecedented time. And I always remember that time. You're very good to us. You were onto us here first. And then the whole thing blew up. And very grateful that for that I was at the time. Let's bring Ken Williams into the conversation. He's on the line. Hello, Ken. Hello. Hi, good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? Your buddy's Hello, here with Anthony. me. Hi, Ken. How are you? <laughs> Ken, you're at it again. Tell them. Yes, so um, basically what I've found yesterday at uh, Stone Circle, yes, uh, it's at Lockgur in County Limerick. It's uh, quite well 
known in the area, but maybe not well known to people up in County Louth. It's, uh, it's Ireland's largest stone circle, and it's got a bank around it. It's called an embanked stone circle by archaeologists. And built into the bank, uh, facing out from the, the inside of the circle, uh, this stone is carved with um, megalithic art. It's, it's quite consistent with passage to art, quite like what you'd see in the Boyne Valley there at Nouth and at Newgrange. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's obviously it's very hard to date uh, carvings on a stone itself, but the, the style and the technique... They're all very, very consistent with what you would see from Passage to Mart, um, in, particularly in the Boyne Valley, and a site that's about 80 kilometres east um, in County Kilkenny called Knock Row, excavated by Maurice O'Sullivan in the 1990s, has this kind of elaborate uh, carved art on it as well. How did so you it, come across it? Yeah, how did you, how did you discover it? Well, I was actually on the lookout for carvings at stone circles over the last few weeks. I'm working on a larger project on stone circles in general. Mm. And um, there was a a kind of a debate about the age of this particular stone circle. And I felt that um, if there was any carvings to be found, this would be a prime site for it because it's now believed to date to probably about 100 years after Newgrange was built. So about 2,900 BC, Mm. which archaeologists call the late Neolithic. And it would fit. There's pottery there from Stone Age uh, settlers there and all the way into the Bronze Age. But to find something that we can categorically say is Neolithic uh, would obviously be something really that adds to the story. Yes. So I was there actually looking for carvings at the time. And uh, lucky enough, this uh, showed up on the back of a stone. I think because it was on the back of the stone, people may have looked before on the front of the stones where you're standing in the circle would be the obvious place to look. But it seems this was hiding in plain sight on the back of this stone. <laughs> Good man, because you and this young Murphy fella here, you, I don't know what you have, but you know, things may <laughs> be there and quite obvious, but nobody actually sees them. It's, it's, it's incredible, isn't well, it? Well, I think uh, Ken has uh, tenacity mm. uh, and uh, expertise. You know, he knows what he's looking for. So, uh, Ken, you won't mind me mentioning the, the <laughs> night we were at Nouth and you were looking at the stone wall outside Nouth with a torch. And I said, what are you doing? And you said, oh, I'm looking for megalithic art. I said, in the stone wall. And, you know, Ken actually found megalithic art on one of the stones in that stone wall, which obviously had been reused from one of the sites at Nouth, you know. Um, Ken, would I be right in saying that's the first megalithic art found at Loch Gur? It's the first megalithic art in Limerick. Um, wow. Mm. The, there is... There is one other passage to him about 20 kilometres away but as far as I know there's no art on it and I have looked I've been up there in nearly in darkness with a torch creeping over the stones looking for art and I've not found anything there <laughs> that's what it takes um, but you can kind of get a feel for it uh, you know what kind of stone you, they would have used there's a lot of limestone used at this site and in general limestone is not usually carved or if it was it's weathered away we just wouldn't see it anymore uh, but this particular stone is uh, a sandstone and it's quite like the sandstones that you'd see at um, the Boyne Valley oh, there yeah. or at Loch Crew in particular. It's this kind of um, chalky kind of uh, sandstone which is ideal for carving. So um, I was actually there in 2018 and I thought the way the light was shining there was a, a sort of an oval shape on the side of the stone, the same stone. And I thought at the time that it looked too eroded or weathered that you couldn't really tell if it was man-made or if it was just natural. So I kind of left it at that and I made a beeline for that stone 
when mm. I went down um, after checking a couple of more and sure enough this turned up on the, the back of the stone what, yeah. what, what, what is it Ken in terms of the design is it concentric circles is it spirals are they nested oh. arcs yeah, so we've got the uh, nested arcs, which your listeners probably won't be familiar with these terms. It's it's kind of like a rainbow shape of uh, curved lines um, all together in a group. And there's concentric circles, but there's also there's concentric arcs on the sides on one side of it. And then there's lines going down on the other side. So it's very unusual that you'd see three faces on the one stone carved. You generally only see that in the Boyne Valley. Uh, most other places, there'll be one surface carved and that'll be it. Um, so in terms of chronology, it looks like a later style of passage to mark that you'd see. Very well developed at Nouth and uh, Knock Row, the other site that I mentioned, which is about 80 kilometres east. Wow. So it's, um, I, I, as a first analysis, I'd, I'd suggest it's probably about 2,900 to 2,500 BC, around that time. Wow. Just as the passage to building phase has ended so people have stopped building passage tomb but they're still burying people in them but they've stopped building them yeah. and then you see these new enclosures being built henges and the, the things that like uh, Anthony and myself found down in the Boyne uh, below the passage tombs there um, uh, if you see a man with a torch rooting around your garden or at a wall, it's only Mr. <laughs> Williams. So don't be don't yeah, be concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, congratulations, Ken. Well done to you, Ken. Yeah, yeah, well done to you. Yeah. This is big news. It, it really is. Oh, it takes the wee county men to go down and help them out. In the well, treaty. the other thing, Jerry is citizen archaeologists. I mean, yes. Neither myself nor Ken have any qualification in yes. this matter. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, sure, look, it's a matter of great pride to, as you say, to to draw the men. You know. Uh, making making all the big discoveries taking us back yeah. and you know building the picture of many many moons ago well done to you Ken I'm sure there's uh, more legs in this story elsewhere for you thank you so much for joining us today no problem thanks take Jerry. care of yourself bye bye Ken, you, Ken. Uh, great you know you, you, this guy um, is something I'm else chuffed, chuffed for him yeah, but yeah. I've seen Ken in action I mean mm. he has two things tenacity absolute dedication to the cause will go He's gone to. He's gone all over Europe actually photographing. He's he's the he's the the best known and most accomplished photographer of prehistoric sites, and that's coming from a photographer. Mm. You know, um, he's just tenacious, and and the knowledge that he has mm. would put actually many qualified archaeologists to shame. So uh, hats off. I'm delighted for him now. Not surprised at all either. By the way, you know, we congratulate him again, and thank you so much for dropping in today and leaving your little type <laughs> message with me. I will treasure this and value it until the next time Anthony Murphy thanks a million thanks Jerry now Kristen Jensen is a good friend of ours on Late Lunch she lives in RD and she told us many months ago about a concept she had called Blaster Books simple books A5 size hardback 72 pages only and she said to me I remember saying that Blaster Books are to cook books what street food is to restaurants now just think about that for a moment anyway she's published already Tacos by Lily Ramirez we spoke to uh, Lily about that book second in the series was Hot Fat by Russell Alford and Patrick Hanlon they were with us too on late lunch and of course sure we had to have a hat trick and there is a fourth one to come because today I am talking about the latest in the series called The United Nations of Cookies and we have 
have joint authors here yet again because it is brought to us by two wonderful people. Owen Klusky, Bread 41. I'm sure many of you know the organic bakery, cafe and eatery on Pier Street in Dublin. And of course, the wonderful Jess Murphy Kai restaurant on the Sea Road in Galway's West End, would you believe it? And they're both with me today on Late Lunch. Hello to you folks. Hi, how's it going? Hey, how are you? I'm really good. Great to have both of you with us on the show. Jess, if I could start with yourself, not alone is this a cookbook, but the little stories you've both included of how this happened and why it came together. Jess, take me back to when you were in Jordan and this idea came to you first. Um, yeah, so I was in Jordan. I was on a refugee camp um, called Azraq with over 35,000 refugees on it. And um, I just really wanted to do something for the UNHCR. I wanted to give back and I wanted, there were so many kids on the camp as well. So I just really wanted to make sure that was, I don't know, that was kind of coming through. And then I was like, what do we all have in common? as a human race and clearly that was either that was going to be a cookie Mm. and cookies are uh you know the world over food everybody loves them and enjoys them so for you owen explain you and jess coming together for this for this book and your you know your genesis for it yeah, I suppose, um, well, I think the story of myself and Jess goes way back when. Actually, I got into the industry sort of later in life and, you know, I was always a big fan of what Jess was doing in Galway. I used to um, go down there and eat, hoping to bump into her. And then I found out that when I got to know her, I can't really get rid of her. So, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a few... It's I, I get them, true. Yeah. <laughs> I get them phone calls or where... Um, you know, I suppose the two, during the pandemic, Jess has sort of reached out. We like had a bit of time on our hands. I happened to get my hands on a 1948 um, old electric milk float. And Jess said, listen, why don't we like make some cookies and sell cookies and milk off the back of it and make um, a donation to the UNHCR. And the more we, the more even my own eyes are opened up to what was going on through direct provision. And um, I just started asking a lot of questions. How can we help? You know, can we do something? And the, the idea was like to make some cookies and, you know, reach out to people around the world for the recipes um, that are in Ireland, you know, migrants and immigrants alike. And how we can put this cool book together that basically doesn't really feature me and Jess. It's mm. about the people and their stories. And um, so, yeah, that's how it started. And, and listen, it's been great. It's been great fun. Um, getting random phone calls from Jess and, uh, you know, have you got the cookies done? Have you made all the cookies and keeping the tabs? So it's been a really great journey for me and and, and definitely the team of Bread 41, um, you know, getting to work with uh, Jess and all these wonderful people, these beautiful Yemenese ladies that came into the bakery and made some delicious food. And yeah, it's been a really, really exciting journey and I've enjoyed the process. And you know the thing about it, I say this to listeners today with this little book, uh, they're just the, the recipes and this is a philosophy of Kristen Jensen's as well these are all simple recipes really to rustle together aren't they yeah I, I definitely like to, that. that's the beauty of it you know and we talk about food all the time and people get carried away food no matter where it comes from it's always simple and and, and to keep food simple you know it's a, it's a ethos that we always are like what grows together goes together it's like we look what's, what we have abundance of we mix it up. And I think when you talk about baked goods, definitely from my background is they're always warm. They're always that give you that bit of a treat, give you a boost when maybe, you know, you're down. You can give yourself that little treat and a, and a cookie is the backbone of that. And it is. It's super simple. The book is aimed at everyone from all different walks of life. Um, 
you know, get the kids baking again. That's the massive behind it, you know, and get them trying new flavours. Oh, for sure. Jess, what's your favourite? If I was to put you on the spot, Jess, and ask you to pick one from these lovely recipes, what would be your overall favourite? Can you do that for me? Um, I think my overall favourite, I'm going to have to be biased because I haven't been home for a while, is definitely the Anzac biscuit. <laughs> and the Anzac biscuit was, that recipe was given to us by... Um, Brad Burgess, which is the New Zealand ambassador for Ireland. Um, so, yeah, I suppose the Anzac biscuit, because uh, it just reminds me of my granny and my mum, and, you know, it's a real childhood thing. Mm, I see it. Plain flour, rolled oats, brown sugar, desiccated coconut, which is optional, unsalted butter, golden syrup, boiling water, and baking soda. Oh, what a combination. Uh, no wonder you went for that one. What about you? Let's have your favourite own from the book. Can you do one for uh, me? Oh, like... Uh- I'm, I'm. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm now a, a full-fledged fan. I've never had the beauty to be able to go down to Sullivan's down in there, outside Galway. So, like, I'm in the Thumbprint gang now. So, the Thumbprint cookie is definitely my favourite. Um, hence, it's actually, you know, like they're all. I actually, when you're picking a favourite, it's hard to pick one. Yes. Because they're all so easy. They're all so similar. Some have spices, some don't. Some they all have different shapes and sizes. But the bones of a good biscuit, a good cookie, is flour, butter eggs and sugar all the stuff we eat and should eat every day of the week mm. I'm with you I picked four and actually I have the Norwegian jam thumbprints on that but you know what my overall favourite is folks and I'll tell you why it's my favourite I absolutely love jammy dodger biscuits. I love them. I just love them. I knew you were going to say that <laughs> and yes the British jammy dodger I'm going to make those yeah, yeah well set the picture we'd like to see like. yeah Go on, Jess, come in there. Yeah, they're absolutely beautiful. And uh, simple to make as well. And you can do them at home. Now, I'm saying I'll make them. If, if, if my better half is listening, she'll kill me because she's the baker in the house. She loves baking, actually. But I'm going to put them on the, the wanted list, uh, certainly for one of the uh, coming weekends. I also like, folks, uh, the Finnish spoon cookies and the Hong Kong egg roll cookies. What about those, own? Yeah, I, I, I actually... They're say, your yeah, favourite, aren't they, the egg rolls? They are, they are definitely not my favourite. <laughs> they're, uh, they're the most non-cookie cookie, I think, definitely. <laughs> but listen, they're all, they're all absolutely delicious. And I think what we get across, definitely to your listeners, is that this book, myself and Jess, you know, all the author fees in this book are going directly to the UNHCR. We're not taking one step in this mm. book. So we encourage people to help us, you know, Let's sell loads of books, books. Let's give back. And, you know, on the backbone that myself and Jess over the next couple of months will explain to people where the money has gone, what it's going to. And this isn't the only thing myself and Jess will be doing. This is just the start of what we plan to get together. So she's never getting rid of me. <laughs> 15 <laughs> euro, folks. And every one of those uh, euros goes to help people desperately in need. And here's the thing, Jess. When you and Owen had this concept and now it's become a reality, of course, we had in Ukraine in our hands. And look what's happening now. Oh, it's it's shocking, isn't it, Jess? Oh, it's absolutely horrendous. And, you know, um, myself and Owen have uh, talked about going to Ukraine. Um, well, the borders of, U- of Ukraine or Poland to hopefully go and bake with people that are still keeping their bakeries alive. And it's all about making the human connection, really, and just being a good human, I think, at the end of the day. Mm. And it is again, Owen, food, when you think about it, it's you talk about the, the different languages in the world, but food 
is there, there are no borders. There are no languages with food. Food is the common thing that binds us all together. And you touching this even in the, the little excerpts that you have in the book when you're talking about uh, where this came from and, and your story. And you talk about food as a global concept. Just talk to me for a moment about that. Um, I suppose, yeah, for me, food was, um, I, grew, I grew up in a, my nanny was a baker, I grew up in a house where, you know, I have four sisters, one brother and dinner was served around the table, I say, but mostly times it was on the lap because we hadn't got enough room around the table. And I'm definitely a big believer. I used to love the story of the nights at a round table, you know, how these people got together. And I think, honestly, if we all got around the table, it would be a vast table, a large table. And we, we broke bread together, broke cookies, ate together. You could solve a lot of problems, you know, mm. and I think that looking at that from small scale to big scale, it's um, it's like, yeah, we all come from, but we all have one thing in common. We all need to eat and consume food to survive, you know, and if we can just get around, slow things down, have a conversation around the table as a, as a group, people like we have so many fabulous, um, you know, even in the book there, all these people live in Ireland, have a connection with Ireland, you know, yes. and ask their opinions, you know, it's mm. uh it's super important to me. So I love the, the round table idea, you know, let's fix the problems together. Yeah. And, you know, you are so right. It would make such a difference if we could get that big table and get all the people around the world who feel, you know, they're different and the differences divide us. We shouldn't be divided. And food is a way, certainly, of bringing people together. I am amazed at all the different nationalities that are between the covers of this little book. It is simply uh, fantastic. In a general sense, with both of you, before you go, Jess, business at Kai and Galway, boom as usual uh yeah we're, we're we're still on the tail uh into the summer so yeah pretty busy i've just been down to the docks to pick up the crabs from the island so um yeah we're good go good going your crab when you mention fresh crab will you stop I think I'll run out of the studio here I'm salivating that much and Owen in the heart of Dublin what a beautiful place you have there I know it uh, on uh, Pierce Street the organic bakery cafe and eatery how's business in, in the city yeah it's absolutely fantastic um, yeah it's been great you know we've, we've come out to the end of the last couple of years so um, yeah it's been fantastic team is growing um, Listen, we're on the journey to scale open and we have another bakery in the pipeline for early next year to the to Greystone. So super excited about that. And uh, yeah, no, it's great. So lots going on. And are you doing well staff wise? You know, the way we've been hearing that it's difficult to get staff. No problem for either of you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, no problem with staff. Um, I think definitely, yeah, I've very, yeah, very. No, no, that's either touch wood. We've been, uh, I suppose, very lucky with the amazing individuals we have, I suppose, running our businesses with us, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's good to hear as well. Heartening. Well, I want to say to you again, I simply love the book and I congratulate both of you on it. And I encourage listeners to go and buy this book and uh, cook and bake the bake, should I say, uh, the cookies that are in the book. The United Nations of Cookies by Jess Murphy and Owen Klusky, available now all over the place from Blaster Books, 15 euro and you're supporting UN CHR, it's just a brilliant, brilliant concept, may I say, to both of you. Congratulations and thank you. I'll let you back to your busy uh, businesses there. Thank you both for joining me on the show today. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Not at all. Take care now. Bye-bye. That's Owen Klusky there and uh, Jess Murphy. Brilliant people. Wonderful, wonderful little book. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Thursday afternoon. Still to come on the show, we have Burke's Banter. Yes, and it's on the money as usual. My Artist of the Week are hot chocolate. I have a cracker for you today and I'll tell you more about them. Nothing I can say, a total eclipse of the heart. 
here just swaying from side to side 1983 number one in the UK for weeks number one in America for four weeks in a row massive Bonnie Tyler's biggest biggest hit and still today it just gets you doesn't it you're at late lunch on LMFM radio well done to Chair Talon from Rathkenny and Donna O'Driscoll in Drogheda who won 400 each on our bingo next week's jackpot is 8,200 euro and our nifty 50 uh, promotion continuing uh, this week as well you can buy our books online a month supply and they'll be posted directly to you lmfm.ie or you can drop into a range of stockets across the northeast and there on lmfm.ie as well details there um, what about the little girl the 8 year old amateur radio enthusiast Isabella Payne from Kent in England who spoke to the uh, astronaut in the space station as it went overhead in Kent oh it's brilliant check it out on YouTube little girl of 8 and she's talking to the spaceman yes Kjell Lindgren on the ISS space station from the United States and they had a little conversation she'll always remember it lovely story absolutely lovely and Lego in Dublin the Lego store in Dublin open today they're queuing to get in do you love your Lego I do but I have none of it anymore <laughs> they threw it all out of me anyway don't you throw anything out don't go anywhere stay with us on late lunch news weather and sport on the way now it is time on the show as it always is round about this time in the afternoon for this the late lunch artist of the week artist of the week and it's hot chocolate all this week on Late Lunch. And as the 80s unfolded, hot chocolate's run of hit singles began to dry up. Indeed, my song today from 1982 would be their final one to make it to the top five in the UK charts. The hits ended and the band were never the same with the departure of frontman Errol Brown in 1986. The remaining members replaced him, will you hear this, with an Errol Brown impersonator who had appeared on the TV show Stars in Their Eyes. But you see, there was only one Errol Brown ever. For today's track, it was a time of change in the industry and Hot Chocolate were trying to keep up with the new wave. And so emerged a synth pop song with lyrics inspired by a childhood crush Brown himself had about a girl in his school class back in Jamaica when he was only nine. Her name was Barbara Blackwood, who Brown said at the time would never have known it had anything to do with her. Isn't that lovely? Synthesizers and all, my song today, as I said, made it to number five on the UK hit list. It started with a kiss. Chocolate, my artist of the week. And it started with a kiss. Oh, lovely, lovely song. Jim, Jim, lovely to hear from you this afternoon. I love that track. Happy Thursday, Jerry. Thanks for getting in touch with us. And Magella, hello, Magella. It all started for Magella with a kiss six and a half years ago. And they're still together. Thanks for getting in touch with us. And I'll round off a week of hot chocolate round about this time on the show tomorrow afternoon. Israel, we mentioned yesterday, and his wonderful performance in the 100 metres. What about the 400 last night? And Rasidat 
Adeleke, what a performance last night. I thought she was going to get the medal. She was third and she just ran out of steam the last 25 metres or so. It was incredible. But that young girl is marvellous. 19 years of age and like Israel from the dock, uh, they have such bright futures ahead of them. And they're doing us proud at the European Championships in Munich. Congratulations to all our athletes and we have more going this evening. I love the track and field, I have to say. I really do love it. Uh, did you see the story about the uh, children's remains found in the suitcase in New Zealand? Did, did you hear the story? Uh, a family in New Zealand bought a job lot of suitcases. It, it went up for auction and there was a load of them packed. I think it was into a uh, a lockup or something. And when one of the suitcases were opened, the remains of two children in the suitcase. Isn't it just shocking? But New Zealand police uh, seem to be making good progress on the investigation already. But uh, DNA and uh, going through the uh, records of missing children, I'm sure, will bring that story on as uh, time goes on. But it's shocking. It's just shocking. Some things in the world would just make you think, wouldn't they? They really, really would. But good will prevail. Good will prevail. It always does in the end. Late lunch, LMFM Radio, heading to a short break and after the break, she's brilliant. What an observer of life. Yes, Sinead Burke is back with more of a banter. In the Middle Ages, July was the leanest month. Crops had not yet been harvested. Animals were still being fattened and the winter stores were down to the sparsest offerings. It was a hungry and hard time for most people. Thankfully, we now have supermarkets, which are open 12 months of the year. So it is no longer necessary to carefully divide out the last of the barley pottage throughout the summer months. This is a blessing of modern times. However, hunger aside, I can't help but feel life today might be a bit more relaxed and pleasant if it was still socially acceptable to start downing strong ale from breakfast time onwards. I can think of many a 9am work meeting that might have been a bit more congenial if the chair had just been the slightest bit merry. Apart from permission to go day drinking, though, July was tough for most people back in the day. Innovation has made life easier in lots of ways. But when it comes to frugal months, the march of progress has only managed to move forward one month. For parents everywhere, August is the new July. How on earth would you have a penny? It starts in June. I pick up the discarded uniforms off the bedroom floor and mutter determinedly to myself. He'll get another year out of those trousers. Everything is washed and put away with a warm and deluded smugness that this is the year I won't be taken for a mug. This will be the summer when I won't be joining the harassed parents trying to work out what's actually included in the three for two deal in Marks and Spencers or engaging in hand to hand combat trying to find the proper size of Airtex shirt in Aldi. This will be the year I stand firm and not bow to the pester power of buying another new school bag. When for the love of God, the one that was bought last year was over 60 euro. And that's an awful price for a flippin' rucksack. At which point, the young lad goes in and plays on his computer. Six weeks later, he comes out of the bedroom and he's grown a foot. Oh, to go back to those innocent and naive days of early June. A lovely time when the summer promised sunshine and solvency. But now it is August and I am checking every bank account for the extra funds needed to get both children decently dressed and out of danger from a visit from the education welfare officer. 
Do I dare put on my best poker face in the credit union and lie about needing a new kitchen? Say what you like about barley pottage, but in fairness to parents in the year 1100, I'm sure it prevented costly growth spurts. So here I am again, taking donuts out of the supermarket trolley, weighing up if each child really does need a new set of socks. The average cost in Ireland of kidding out a secondary school student is €1,518. For primary school, it's €1,195. The use of credit cards to pay for back-to-school expenses has quadrupled since last year and 10% of parents will consider going to an illegal moneylender. Somehow, I don't think that's what Donna O'Malley had in mind when he went rogue in 1966. All I can hope for is that at some point in the future, my kids get good jobs and can keep their by then decrepit and bankrupt mother in as much strong ale as she can handle. Simply brilliant. Sinead Burke, she knows what it's all about. Her observations are simply brilliant. Thank you so much, Sinead. Yes, the hungry month, August indeed, and so many families and people experiencing what Sinead has brought was just there now. And she'll be back with more banter anon. We're almost finished today. Caroline was on to me about uh, hot chocolate and she just said, my favourite group ever, Jerry Hot Chocolate. And that's my favourite track, Started With A Kiss. Very popular track indeed. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, Friday... We are going to be talking to people involved in running business and charities who are actually running a gauntlet of abuse at this time. You'll have to join us tomorrow to hear more about it. Interesting, I will tell you indeed. And they shouldn't have to put up with what they have to put up with. All about butterflies. Have you noticed all the butterflies around at the moment, especially the last few weeks? Jesmond Harding is Ireland's expert and he's joining me tomorrow. We have the final in the series of Summer Salads with Chef Tara Walker. David Sheehan looks after the sport. We have comedy, your TV theme and the uh, final instalment from Hot Chocolate 2. All to come on Late Lunch tomorrow afternoon, Friday, from half past one. Big thank you to my sidekick, Louise Walsh, my producer back with me today, and Lizzie Dorn, who's with us all week. Thanks indeed, ladies, for guiding me safely through the last couple of hours. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. Wonderful music and more besides. Stay with us, but do come back for your late lunch tomorrow. The final one of the week, 1.30. We'll see you then. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom a mother figure or yourself as a mom find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation explore blue nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns make this mother's day unforgettable with a piece from blue nile Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.